everyone. Thank you for joining us on this cold, cold, cold day. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. I am so excited. Anybody who knows me, anybody who listens to this show knows how much I care about policy. I care about what's going on, what they're doing, and I love to tell the legislators, whether they're in D.C. or they're in St. Paul or they're in New Brighton City Hall, how stupid they are for some of the stuff that they put into regulation. And I warn them what's going to go wrong, what's going to go wrong, why they made a mistake, why they shouldn't be doing it. Uh, Do they listen to me? Oh, no, hell no, they don't listen to me. But you know what? It doesn't stop me from talking about it. So I've told you before about this group that I absolutely love, the LEA, the uh, Legislative Evaluation Assembly of Minnesota. I was on the board of directors for years. I helped write the scorecard for years. Now I'm a slug and I make other people do all the work. I invited two of the hardest workers on the LEA to come in with me today. Both of them have been on my show before. In fact, if I remember right, one of them even filled in for me one week when I was gone. But I want to tell you, tell you about this organization. It's the greatest organization ever for 10 bucks. For 10 bucks. I keep telling them they should raise the price. For 10 bucks, you can join this organization. And once a year, you meet, get together, have a meal, and have a party and hand out awards if there are any legislature legislators who deserve awards Uh, and it's just you get this scorecard and you get to if you don't understand constitutionality if you don't understand the principles of of government uh, this is the perfect thing for you if you're going to be a candidate the LEA is the perfect organization for you they pick out a bunch of bills and and this is a nonpartisan organization even though we all have uh, very strong constitutional leanings which every legislature legislator should by the way um and and it really is shocking how few of our elected officials um follow uh what the constitution is what their job description is it's really depressing when i look at uh the winners for 2017 cal Barr, matt dean and eric lucero way to go guys we got three of them um and then we had some honorable mentions um Bruce Anderson, Michelle Fishbach, Mary Kiffmeyer, Andrew Matthews, Steve Dreskowski, Mary Franson, Jeff Howe, Cindy Pugh, and Abigail Whalen. So thank you for that. Now, hello, guys. Thanks for coming in today. Hi, Sue. Okay. Thanks for having us, Sue. That's Don Lee. The second one was John Augustine. John Augustine, let's start with you because you're like the president or something. I was. You? Oh. I just finished six years as president. Mr. Lee is now the president. Okay, ex-president, you hang out. Mr. President, Don Lee, welcome to the show. Let's start with yeah. with you then. Thank you for that great introduction. Oh, my gosh. I love the LEA. I wish more people were members. Um, which one of you wants to start out and tell us um, what the credo is of the LEA? What, the, what are the parameters that they use to take a look at what they're going to do? I I want to put it in a little softer terms. I could read the credo here, but it's a little bit long. Uh, LEA is a real jewel. Uh, I joined the LEA because I found an organization that for once wanted to do it right. It wasn't partisan. It wasn't agenda-driven. It was driven by process. And at the end of the day, the Minnesota Constitution is just an agreement between the cities on how we're going to manage our shared resources. And the process is really, really important. 
and all these other organizations, MCCL and Taxpayers League and so forth, they have some agenda. They want some policy thing to happen. We don't do that. We simply inform the voters of how the legislators stack up according to their constitutional oaths. And that's, that's what we do, and we work really hard to get it right. I don't think people understand how hard people work. And, John Augustine, maybe you can weigh in on this because you were president for, for six years. We meet week after week after week to go over all these different bills. The summertime is typically the busiest time for meeting. Um, most people are trying to relax. Uh, and the, once the session is out, then we dig into them and try to get the work done. And there are so many bills. And, and the coolest thing about this is you never look at what the votes were. You look at the piece of legislation. And so you've got all these people who are working behind the scenes, who are getting together in these meetings, or sometimes people like me who will will send a nasty email back to you. How could you possibly miss this bill? And then everybody will start looking at that bill, too. And you end up with, oh, my gosh, so many of them. And then you have to whittle it down, whittle it down. But you still don't know who voted or how they voted until after you have already decided what bill you're talking about and how uh, how you got to supporting it or not supporting it. We had to try hard to, to wait until the scoring, till the very end. And so when we're analyzing all these bills, we generally don't know how the scores are going to come out. I know. I, want I had legislators calling me, well, how'd I do? How'd I do? I'm like, I don't know. Nobody knows. We've me. actually had requests that uh, it would be helpful to the legislators to let them know ahead of time whether there was, when, when, when something was pending, whether how we were going to score something. And, it, and, and we just... Our mission, it's important to have groups that are in advocacy and campaigning and all right, that, but right. that. But that's not our mission. Our mission is just education and evaluation. So, so, so we don't really get involved in that. And it makes me angry because I remember one year, and this was several, several years back, uh, the NRA was, I think it was the NRA, one of the gun groups was doing a scorecard, and they purposely in their scorecard didn't include a horrible bill. And I got in a huge fight with the guy at the Capitol saying, how could you not include this bill? This bill would boot all these people off of your so-called A-plus rating that you gave them. Anyone who voted for this bill didn't deserve an A-plus rating on it. And, yeah, and then they said, whatever, Sue, and they just never bothered to score that bill. LEA doesn't do that. This is a real problem with the advocacy organizations because they end up in a position sometimes where they have friends in the legislature so they start bending their scorecards not to offend their friends. And then they're less effective at their purpose. And their scorecard becomes meaningless. That's exactly right. right. And that's what would happen to us if we get into the lobbying game. But well, we're not. We just evaluate well, it and yeah. score it. Unless our very existence is at stake when they, if they try to uh, propose some ex uh, something that would lo prohibit us from distributing our reports within weeks before an election or... Or something that right. would front load the election cycle so far into the election cycle that that people would be voting before the session, I mean, filing for office before the session were even done, and and evaluations would have wouldn't be able to be done in in time to get them out to people before elections. So things like that said so very directly impact our mission, but otherwise, no, we don't we don't get involved, but. 
not here to talk trash about the other well, other organizations. It's just ta- that I uh, kind of want to talk trash a little bit mm-hmm. here because let's look at the 2016 honorees. There were three in the Senate, there were zero in the House, and there were one, two, three honorable mentions. This year, we 2017 has three honorees in the House and. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine honorable mentions between the House and the Senate. Clearly, you're not there to make them look good. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. right. We've always we've always graded on a curve. It's uh, it, but uh, the outstanding near the very top of it, uh, top of the line has not been quite as high recently as it as as it ought to be and i know i know people think that we should make that curve curve a little friendlier i have always been a firm believer of no no we shouldn't they have to live up to the responsibility when they swore that oath to the constitution we had arguments this year over whether anyone should be honored (laughs) yeah Thank you. That's how I know I love this group. Okay, so I I do want to, we're going to take a quick break here. I do want to once again uh, thank the 2017 honorees, Cal Barr, Matt Dean, and Eric Lucero. Lucero? Lucero. Lucero. I should know how to pronounce his name. And the honorable mentions to Bruce Anderson, Michelle Fishbach, Mary Kiffmeyer, Andrew Matthews, Steve Dreskowski, Mary Franson, Jeff Howe, Cindy Pugh, and Abigail Whalen. So way to go, you guys. Um, now, if the rest of them can step up, uh, we expect a little better of you. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Don Lee, John Augustine, uh, we're going to talk uh, some of the highlights or maybe their lowlights of the 2017 legislative review of the LEA scorecard. Stay tuned. Lots more coming. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Good Saturday afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. Don Lee, John Augustine joining me. We're talking about the Minnesota LEA scorecard legislative evaluation assembly. If you go to, I think on my Facebook page, I put up the wrong um, um, website. It's www.lea-mn.org. I think I forgot to put the dash in it, so I'll make that correction uh, a little bit later so you can get there. You can actually go back and look at reports to the 70s on this website. It is absolutely amazing. If you're thinking of being a candidate, go back. I when I when I in 2006 when I was going to run against Tim Pawlenty, I went back and I read in my effort to understand how state government worked. I went back and read old auditors reports. If you're a candidate, you can go back and read old LEA reports and 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 talk about a wealth of knowledge if you're going to an endorsing convention like oh maybe denny mcnamara go back and look at his record and 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 then try not to laugh out loud when you see someone try to tell you he's a conservative we've got enough problems in the senate with uh republicans who vote like democrats um 
Yeah, a big problem with that. But anyways, well, that's for another day because the LEA is nonpartisan, so I don't want to get Don and John in any trouble with my partisan comments of how I expect better of Republicans. I actually expect better out of Republicans and Democrats who took an oath of office. Um, and and we're going to talk about the scorecard here. We talked about who the honorees were and who the honorable mentions were. Congratulations to all of them. One of the problems I see that is just spiraling out of control over and over and over again is these omnibus bills. And these omnibus bills, you can call them garbage bills, you can call them whatever you want, but they, Minnesota has a single subject rule. And the, the legislature's supposed to honor that as a way to uh, hold everyone accountable. Instead, we get these ridiculous garbage bills, omnibus bills, that are just loaded with not only bad policy, um, but finance. And it's so hard because there'll be a few good things tucked in there, but then they throw in all this bad stuff. That's bad for the people of Minnesota, right, guys? The, the process has become so corrupted that the normal process of sending something through committee and then bringing it to the floor and so forth has become Introduce it, take it to the committee, and at the end of the committee hearing, the chair says, oh, let's hold this for the omnibus bill. And then they'll just lump it in this huge Christmas tree, and a lot of accountability is lost. You've got all these bills. There are thousands of bills sitting over there in the hopper for the House and for the Senate for next year. And when you try to track down... Okay, here's a really bad bill. I don't like this bill. I was over at the Capitol. I was in the committee meeting. I heard him talk about this. I really want to follow what's going to happen with this horrible bill that should never see the light of day. And then, lo and behold, at the end of the session, there it is, tucked in a giant omnibus bill. And and it doesn't half the time in the committee meetings are worthless anyway. No one even listens to you. They've already made up their mind. But the but going back to the omnibus bill, what a horrible way to govern the state of Minnesota. Minnesota has a great website for tracking this stuff. You can look up all the committee hearings. You can look up the bills, all their status. It's wonderful. Any citizen can. And one of the things we'd like to do is put up on our website some tutorials on how to do this. So any citizen can do it. Great so idea. What, what happens with these omnibus bills is they go through the committee and then they disappear, and you don't know where they went. And you can. And what the uh, the committee chairman can actually add things to the omnibus bill with basically no process. So it's hard to find where these provisions go unless you happen to know. It takes a lot of work. I know. That's why I thank you guys for that. <laughs> um, D- Gordon Anderson, who's phenomenal for LEA, he, if you go to the LEA website, he has an amazing piece on the single subject rule. Which is in the Constitution, by the way. It's not just a, it's not just a rule. It's in the Minnesota State Constitution. Article 4, Section Section 17. 17. (laughs) No law shall embrace more than one subject, which shall be expressed in its title. And from time to time, the Supreme Court has actually enforced it. Uh, I don't know if this particular one would, but uh, it it has. Uh, But in recent times, a lot of it, uh, they've said, as long as it's in the title, as long as they didn't try to hide it, as long as it's in the title, it's okay. But that... But you can have all kinds of subjects in the title. So so there's just two parts to the clause. When a title is several pages long, right. Right. it's right. a little long. Yeah. Right. Well, and, I was furious. Do you remember before they rammed the $90 million Senate office building down our throats? 
Um, that was one. Chuck Knobloch came out and sued and lost. That was Mm -hmm. unbelievable. I don't have a lot of confidence in the Minnesota Supreme Court. No, no. no. Which is uh, why I'm so thankful that I am going to the U.S. Supreme Court on February 28th. But that's the Minnesota Supreme Court has decided that that single subject rule is a political problem. And they've punted almost all the time. Ridiculous. And so that what that means is the voters have to get excited about it if if anybody's going to pay any attention to it. And we're trying to highlight in this year, new to the report, we put in a a, a chart talks about multi subject bills, and so it, we just laid the, some of the data right out there as how much of the overall general fund budget. Highlight that for the, us. Highlight that for us, John. It's astonishing. Eighty-two percent of the general fund appropriations this year were in five omnibus bills. Eighty-two percent. And and there's there were bills that were passed that had had uh, over, the largest one had over over six six about six hundred eighty pages, and it repealed. It modified, repealed, or created 288 new statutes. That is astonishing. So, so I mean, new new statutes should should stand or fall on their own merits. Okay, let me, listeners, heads up, stop what you're doing, pay attention to me. The omnibus bill for health and human services was 680 pages long. Included in those 680 pages were 288 new repealed or modified statutes. That is not how you govern. That is not how you govern. It appropriated 13.8, well, let's see, 13 billion dollars. That's astonishing. And you know what? I I want people to understand this. These omnibus bills, these finance bills, whatever you want to, Christmas tree bills, garbage bills, whatever you want to, those are the ones they do behind closed doors, right? Those are the ones that Governor Dayton gets together with his people and Kurt Dowd gets together and, and uh, Gazelka gets together or, or whoever the leaders are at any given point in time because this year was bad, but they've always been bad, and it's getting worse and worse and worse every year. Well, it's been more of a gamesmanship contest, I say, in the last 10 years between the executive and the legislative branch, and it really gets magnified when... So this year, they tried to get the bills to the governor's desk in time before the end of session, but more than just a day or two before the end of session. And most part, the governor vetoed the first round of omnibus bills right. that came through. And then, so then, some the second round, some came in regular session, but then others came in special session. And then... There's, you know, there's everything's behind closed doors. The <laughs> right. media doesn't know what's going right. on. No it, one, no, the leadership, Governor Dayton, nobody knows what's going on. And, and bear in mind, you got this 680 page bill. It takes me two or three weeks to go through one just to read it. I'll give you three guesses how many of the legislators even read that bill before they voted on it. Yeah. And you know what? I'll, I'll give them a little bit of a pass on that because. Three quarters of that bill has been in place for a long time. So you're really only having to, what did they change? What has lines through it? It's lots of tweaks to reimbursements of this or that category. It's it's incredibly arcane. Oh, I know. But how do you know what's been changed until you read it? Until you read it is exactly right. And you're still talking, in this case, 680 pages. Uh, We were just talking about the... Health and Human Services omnibus bill, and I do want to hear um, the the bills that you have found most egregious. 
uh, above and beyond the omnibus bills here. But we have a caller, Laura, and I'm I'm really excited to hear what she has to say because she wants to talk about the reinsurance bill. And that bill drove me crazy this year. Drove me crazy, crazy, crazy. I was so mad. So, hey, Laura, welcome to the welcome to the show. Hi, Sue. Thank you. I heard you guys on another channel um, earlier talking about Well, thank about the God you turned over to this channel. <laughs> I wait till three. Uh, so I wanted to ask about the reinsurance bill. I know you gave Matt Dean um, high marks. Yeah. But isn't it true that the reinsurance bill, he voted that out of his conference and he voted for it on the floor of the House before voting against it? And yet he, you know, it, in, in some senses, that bill would not exist without Matt Dean. And yet he's getting positive feedback from the LEA. Um, okay. I'll, t- I'll tell you something just from my perspective. He is getting positive feedback from the LEA for his voting record over the whole entire legislative session. That bill was just one bill. And I'll tell you something. If Matt Dean had his way... That bill would have never happened. That bill became that bill happened because Republican leadership mandated that it happened. And don't kid yourself, Laura, when you think that the that the Republican leadership behind the scenes is telling these committee heads what to do and what not to do there. You know, real ID never should have seen the light of day. Reinsurance never should have seen the light of day. The spending never should have seen the light of day. I can go through this whole report none of it should have seen the light of day but you've got republican leadership that says you're going to lose your committee chair you're going to lose your voice you're going to lose everything but your election certificate and that includes money for their races help for their races from the caucus from the committee all of that is what makes me so mad and that's the politics that that a lot of people miss that is a horrible bill and the and while yes we can be angry at matt dean for it passing out of his committee that came from leadership not matt dean well, um, no fan of leadership believe me. oh i am no He's fan that. that's a good thing to hit on i sure. know i know it is so ridiculous i want the republican leadership thrown out I want them thrown out. I want new people put in there. People like Steve Draskowski in the House. I want to see someone with a backbone, someone who understands how to govern, someone who understands what the role of government is, and someone who can at least say no. Kurt Dell was so busy thinking that he wanted to be the next governor of the state yes. of Minnesota. He, yes. We got the Destination Medical Center. We got, oh, be happy. It's the most productive legislative session we've had in years. Oh, we cut spending. It's only the third highest ever. Give me a break. Their political aspirations hurt everybody. It hurt the Republican brand. It hurt what what happened in the to the state of Minnesota. It hurts all of us. Totally agree. Hold on, Laura. If I if I can just clarify one thing. Oh, John had to John had to calm me down here before I have. <laughs> I, a heart I just want to I just want to clarify one thing. Um, okay. What how we scored that bill is. When we don't score committee votes because we evaluate the entire uh, legislative body, either the House or the Senate, so the, the the entire body can't be evaluated when it's just a committee vote. So whether you may have a point on the committee votes, we can't score the committee votes. Uh, when it comes to, and we usually almost always score the final version of a bill that 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 makes it to the floor. 
uh, because otherwise you're 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 scoring something that that's the only one that changed. Right. It's the only one that matters. Although it's just you know the Democrats don't have to play this game. The Democrats don't want something passed. They kill it. And and Laura, Laura, what I what I want to point out too is they only the into their report this time. There were 16 bills that that they ended up evaluating. They could have evaluated 200. And if then if you start getting into committee votes and what happened in the House versus what happened in the Senate, the report would be a thousand pages long every yeah. single year. It's hard to narrow it down to just a few bills like this. It's important well, to note, you. too, that Matt Dean probably got a pass from leadership to vote no on that bill, which is the way we scored it. Yeah. Uh, and there are there are a few more extra Republicans in the House so he could afford to do that. There, there are a lot of Republicans in the committees and in, that take a walk. They. I- no. Because, oh, so they don't well, okay, have to vote we gotta the take, wrong way. Right. We got to take a break. We had too many people who took a walk. Real ID was a perfect example of that. Laura, thank you very much for your call. I really, uh, I really appreciate it. Someone who could talk about reinsurance. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, uh, let's talk. You guys each pick out the bill. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm picking Real ID, so don't pick that one. Because Stan, at one point in time during the year, told me I couldn't talk about Real ID anymore. Because every week I would talk about Real ID and how bad it was. But um, anyways, we'll pick out some of the highlights and lowlights of the legislative session. Stay tuned, everyone. Sue Jeffers with Don Lee, with John Augustine, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. for tuning in. I'm Sue Jeffers. This is the Sue Jeffers Show. Joining me, President of the LEA, Don Lee, former President of the LEA, John Augustine. You've both made us so very proud for all your hard work that you've done at the LEA. It's my favorite scorecard. Everybody go to the website, lea-mn.org. I love this organization. Send them money. Become a member. Check out all the past scorecards. Uh, once again, let's um, let's point out these honorees because I think that's really good. Cal Barr, Matt Dean, and Eric Lucero, uh, congratulations. You are the only three honorees out of 201. Uh, thanks to you. at least you three made us proud. Okay, the honorable mentions kind of made us proud, too. There were none in the Senate. No. There were no Senate honorees. Honorable mentions, Bruce Anderson, Michelle Fishbach, Mary Kiffmeyer, uh, Andrew Matthews. Mary Kiffmeyer, I want to talk to you. Uh, Andrew Matthews, Steve Draskowski, Mary Franson, Jeff Howe, Cindy Pugh, and Abigail Whelan. Cindy Pugh was just on this show. Draskowski's, well, they've all been on this show now that I think about it. No, maybe not Jeff Howe. All right, so which bill do you think was the one that made you the most irritated? The most angry, the most uh, frustrated. I would say frustrated, and that would be the omnibus state government finance and policy bill. Grr. It it, uh, it has all it has a number of things. What number? Oh, it's number a, one. It's the very first one we scored. <laughs> Thank you. And it, and incidentally, all the honorees that even the honorees that we have here, they all voted differently than we analyzed it, and and we're taking a stand on it. We understand, but it's it's uh, it has. A lot of good ideas in it, and the state auditor uh, wanted to uh, have new requirements to make 
reports on litigation expenses when they're when they when they're challenging the cities being able to do their own audits. Uh, Met Council gets additional auditing, and and so forth. So there there are some good ideas in it. But, well, that's the but, problem, but, John. But, there are always some good ideas in it. Then they throw the crap in yeah. there. Well, and then there's stuff that may not even be may not necessarily be good or bad, but but it was brand new and should be considered separately. They, we you may listeners may be aware of the congressional budget office at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Well, we created a new bureaucracy this year. But I don't think got very much attention at all. Called the legislative budget office, and uh, that was created by this bill. And and uh, the idea is to have a, an alternative to governor's uh, Minnesota management and budget for their fiscal analysis and so forth. But they didn't take away the power of Minnesota <laughs> management and budget to do their own. So you're going to have competing numbers. And 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 then the, the staff is supposed to be detached and independent. The chairperson of the staff is elect is appointed for a six year term. It's longer than anybody's in the House or Senate is election term. And so they're it's hard to hold them accountable to anybody other than other than themselves. And basically, that's a new burgeoning bureaucracy. It may it may have some good impacts, but at the very least, it should have been considered considered on its own merits. You saw Tom Hauser come out, and then this out bill and, also. Hold it. You saw Tom Hauser come out, and this remember when MMB came out and said, "Oh my God, the state has a hundred eighty-eight million dollar deficit." The Republicans went from a two billion dollar surplus to a hundred eighty-eight million dollar um, deficit, and then the MMB commissioner got up and and gave all of Dayton's talking points, and all the news covered all of Dayton's talking points, and Tom or um, Hauser actually came out and said, well, maybe now we'll see the LBO come out and, and actually give us a different presentation on that. And I laughed when I saw his tweet, and I thought, I wonder if there's anyone out there who even knows what he's talking about. Well, and the CBO doesn't necess- hasn't necessarily helped for... Uh, fiscal restraint anyway. You saw what the CBO did with Obamacare. But the other part of this bill is that it was a kind of a culmination of the gamesmanship of the last couple of years. Two years ago, the the leadership made an agreement with the government governor where they would vote for, have everybody vote for this omnibus supplemental budget bill in return for the governor signing the tax relief bill. And the governor signed the Omnibus Supplemental Budget Bill, but found a technical drafting error and didn't sign the tax bill. Right. So this year, the gamesmanship escalated, and they said that Minnesota Department of Revenue isn't going to get any funding at all in the budget unless the governor signs this bill. I mean, that the horse trading is explicitly written right, right into in this the Omnibus State Government Bill. Ridiculous. And that, and that caused, the, and that certainly contributed to this escalation where the governor is now line item vetoing the legislature's funding after he signs a bill, hoping to still renegotiate it. So is a veto a veto anymore? Is a signing a signing anymore? I mean, and these... The Supreme these, Court, punts. Right. right. Shame on a the political Supreme question, Court. Right? Shame on them. Shame on Dayton. Shame on the Supreme Court. Shame on the way the Republicans handled this. Here's what you need to know about the Omnibus State Government Finance and Policy Bill. Uh, a 93-page bill covering 80 different subjects and 11 new sections of statutes packed into one omnibus bill. Shame on them. Shame on all of them. Shame on management. Every one of these legislatures takes an oath to uphold the Constitution. The Constitution is explicit about single subject, and they don't bat an eye on this stuff. All right. 
It really bothers me. We're gonna. It bothers me too. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, Don will tell you his uh, bad one or his the one that drove him crazy. We already know the real ID is the one that that I am just furious over. Absolutely furious over. But since we're running out of time, that's all I'm gonna say on real ID. You can go back to any of the podcasts because almost all of them cover real ID and why I'm so adamantly opposed to it. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about what we're worried about coming for, uh, coming forth in the 2018 legislative session. Stay tuned. Lots more coming. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com. Thank you so much for tuning in try to stay warm out there this weekend for sure for sure for sure um we're talking with uh president don lee former president john augustine we're talking about the minnesota legislative evaluation assembly scorecard it's fabulous i will encourage you again go to lea-mn.org look it up send them lots of money become a member join them um don i i listed well John talked about some of the things that were con- was concerning to him. I talked about real ID. Thank you for scoring that one. Another one that's driving me absolutely crazy is we saw a huge push by Governor Dayton and the Democrats for driver's license for illegal aliens. That will be back with a vengeance. You're seeing Minneapolis, New Brighton, Northfield, some other cities working on municipal IDs. Uh, that will that that one is very troubling and worries me so much. President Lee, what what was one of your obviously the omnibus bill? I don't think people understand why that's so bad. Can you wrap it up in a nutshell for yeah, us? I'll try to be concise. In the past, we've actually avoided scoring the omnibus bills because we consider right. them to be blatantly unconstitutional, and we avoided it because they're so hard to score. But this year, we just bit the bullet and said, "Hey, single subject rule applies." These all of these are. Bad news. They're all unconstitutional. We should score them negatively, and we did. And one of the odd things about that is that since the Republicans were in the majority, they all voted for them. Right. So they got negative scores. Democrats wanted to throw sand in the gears, so they voted against them, so again, they got positive scores. So all these scores are, are a little messed up. But the, the reason the omnibus bills are so bad is the mirror of why the single-subject bill requirement is in the Constitution. The single subject allows the public to follow the process of legislation and to weigh in at committee hearings and in normal ways on what happens with the government. All this stuff with the omnibus bills, a lot of it gets hap- happens behind closed doors and right. secret negotiations. The governor says, you know, I'll, I'll do something you like if you'll put this thing in this omnibus bill. And it rots away the process of government that, that lets the citizenry participate. And that's why they're really bad. And then management comes out and says, you will vote for this. And you're like, no, we don't want to vote for There's it. There's a surprising amount of that that goes on yeah. in the Capitol. Yeah, it's, it's actually shocking. So 2018 legislative session, thank God, doesn't start until February, end of February, practically. And good, because you're supposed to have a budget year and you're supposed to have a bonding year. This is supposed to be the bonding year. Well, hell no, we don't need another bonding bill because you guys bonded billions and billions. The way they max out that credit card drives me absolutely 
it's ridiculous and our children and grandchildren are going to have to pay for all this excessive spending and borrowing and taxing that we're that we're seeing coming up uh, and and before we get into the 2018 and i know we're rapidly running out of time here but i don't think people understand how much governor dayton has mucked things up i don't think they understand how difficult governor dayton has made it for everyone where whether it's vetoing the legislature uh and and yeah the supreme court punted and shame on them but but governor dayton was so irrational and i've said for a long time he wasn't and i don't mean this to be mean it's just a fact of life physically and mentally he isn't fit to be governor and that's the way it is but now you got this whole thing with the lieutenant governor. If, if there's any way to play politics, Governor Dayton does it. I, I look at it a little differently. Uh, the governor is very, very good at getting his way. Yes. And he has used every trick in the book and been very creative. And then some. <laughs> getting his way because government is about power. But I would hope that the voters would not like that. I hope they don't. I hope they don't. Right, because it's we're, we're going into two constitutional looming crises now. We've, first, we've got the the unresolved legislative funding. They, the Senate is running basically now on the money that's supposed to be used for legislative auditor uh, to, to just keep operating, and so they still have to resolve that. And now you have the succession thing, where again it says in the Constitution that the president of the Senate becomes the lieutenant governor, and that the and the and the Lieutenant Governor cannot simultaneously hold another office. So most likely, uh, Senator Fishbach is going to have to resign. Uh, the, what we're hearing is that, and I'm hearing anyway, is that most likely she'll have to resign. Then she'll resign Lieutenant Governorship and then run first again for her own seat. In the special in, session. In the special election with her, you know, she has the election yeah. certificate, her constituency elected to represent her. She doesn't want to take another office, but it's thrust. It's being forced upon her, so that's likely what's going to happen. In the meantime, her constituents won't have representation until whenever that special election is called. You've got a one-vote margin in the Senate. You've got a couple special elections coming up, so there's all kinds of gamesmanship going on. That one-vote margin troubles me in the Senate because you have so many uh, Republican senators who vote like Democrats. And we saw a lot of legislation that got pushed forth uh, we saw a lot of um, uh, senators who were put in leadership positions that had no business being put in leadership positions. Uh, and, and again, management, they suck. <sighs> well, there's some things that didn't. Did get, I make that point clear? There's some things that didn't get hearings, much less floor votes that you think would have. But they're kind of holding they're in a defensive position trying to hold that one seat thinking they have three more years to preserve it, and they might not even have one. So some of the things that I'm worried about coming up for the 2018 legislative session, I'm worried about another giant bonding bill. I'm worried about tax policy. I'm worried about spending. I've talked to my listeners before about the affirmative consent bill. That is dangerous, and that's got like 50 sponsors. It's sitting in the hopper both in the House and the Senate. I'll talk with you listeners about that later i'm also now you're seeing uh paul Thiessen and who was with him i don't remember they had a big press conference they're all they're all over net neutrality for minnesota are these people well 
Paul Thiessen wants to be governor. So that's a political move. Uh, and I hope uh, Minnesota isn't stupid enough to try to do some of that. But then again, I think we know better. Net neutrality is a, is a huge issue these days. Uh, it's a it's a solution looking for a problem. Right. And horribly misguided because when it was done in 2015, 2014, when all the excitement was generated, it was aimed at people like Verizon and AT&T because people were afraid they were going to censor, they were going to block things. But it turns out that it isn't Verizon and AT&T who are censoring and blocking things. It's Facebook and Google and Twitter. And net neutrality has nothing to do with them at all. Nope. So it's it's all messed up. Why would you want to give government that much power? Why would you ever believe that government could control the Internet? This is the other piece of net neutrality that got all screwed up by the, the proponents. Effectively, in order to do net neutrality, the FCC has to have control of the content. And again, Verizon and AT&T, they don't... They don't really have visibility into the content. They're just the lines carrying the, the bulk data. But you would have to go in. The FCC would have to have control effectively of all the, I don't want to get into all the technical stuff, but they would have to have control of the content. And they don't have the leverage to do that. They don't have the power to do that. They don't have any reason to do that. It's, it's totally ridiculous. But and, and I think popular. people don't understand how fast and how fast things change, how that technology is just, I mean... Look out, you know, I mean, think of what we've seen happen. Um, okay, John, what are you worried about for the 2018? Well, I hope they do something with try to push on taxes yet, because now with the state and local tax deductibility taken away, Huge. that Minnesota's not going to be rewarded anymore for being a high tax and spend all state. Those, but all those rich people out there paying there's, their there's property a lot of people, taxes early. There's a lot of people worried about waiting to see what the economy does. And in within the legislature before they decide whether they want to really have the conformity. Usually they push that right away. I've heard they might wait a little bit on that. Uh, so that concern is a little bit. Other Another issue, regulatory type of issue, you usually see in the second session is uh, this one. They're put, there's a lot of bipartisan sponsors pushing for a much more extensive uh, restrictions on cell phone use. No, 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 and, no, no. And so... You know, we we don't evaluate until the bills actually get to the floor, but but I would concern encourage liberty people to be on the lookout up there because there's people a lot of people from both parties that have signed on to this. The news the news stations and their sweeps are going to be pushing it. So uh, oh, you know they will. You know they will. How do we get the media to cover our side more? You know the the Democrats. Well, they got the media in their pocket, but but our side does a really poor job of spreading the word too. And I will even pass that on to the LEA. You guys have a wonderful product here. Something that we should be shouting from the mountaintops with how great this scorecard is, how informative uh, informative it is. And you guys don't pat yourself on the back enough either oh there's dead air that's oh, not good on the well, radio boys <laughs> one of my goals for this year is to get some left-leaning folks in, involved in lea we're about process we're about making things transparent and upholding things like constitutional oaths every citizen in minnesota should support us we should at right least, and and we're a grassroots right. based organization yeah you join you have a say in who is the represents the board of directors if you come to the annual members meeting the board of directors is then tasked with overseeing the content of the report it's all minnesota based am i still like an advisor 
Yes. Oh, yay. Okay. I, I promise I'll be better, but I say that every year. Uh, you guys, I can't thank you enough for coming in and the great job the LEA does. And I know the scorecard is late getting out. It always is, but it's worth it. Thank you for having it's us on. It's worth it. Okay, everyone, be safe. Be safe in the cold weather. Uh, thank you, Happy 2017, for a great year. 2018 is going to be amazing. Happy New Year, everyone. You too, Stan. Yeah, this was my favorite part of the year, going to see Guns N' Roses. Oh. Because I never thought it would happen. And you did. <laughs> I did. Oh, and you have a great show, too. Happy New Year, everyone. Sue Jeffers, Twin Cities News Talk AM 1130 and TwinCitiesNewsTalk.com.